I am Adlao. Welcome to Season 3 of Philippine X in Wellness. I'm your host, Cheryl Sampson Ramirez. In our last episode, we spoke with Nelson Raboy and Jordan Maximana to explore the world of cycling and wellness. I know that I, I personally learned a lot from that episode and hope that you did too. This month, we're launching into the second episode of our Physical Wellness Trilogy, which I think is a good follow-up, as we interview married athletes, Dr. Gina Dapul Hidalgo and Ranuel Hidalgo. Before we begin, we'd like to mention that we uphold and honor the safe space to share. We ask everyone to pose comments and questions on our platform in a peaceful and respectful manner. Our pre-recorded episodes are accessible through our Philippine X and Wellness YouTube channel. The audio recordings are available via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All views discussed are for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to be medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare practitioner for your particular condition, especially before starting any exercise or new health program. For this episode... Again, I'd like to introduce our guest speakers, Dr. Gina Dapul Hidalgo and Ranuel Hidalgo. Welcome to the podcast, Hidalgos. Hey, Cheryl. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being on. <laughs> We're excited this season to expand globally and invite you both on as you are our first guest from Maryland, uh, more so uh, the D.C. area, from my understanding. Am I correct? Yes. DC is about a 20 minute drive on a good day from where we are. So we'll aim that in. Sweet. Well, we can't he- uh, wait to hear more of the East Coast perspectives on our podcast. Um, we'd like to typically open our episodes with one of the first questions you're asked when someone finds out you're Philippine ex or Filipino. So let's start with where's your family from in the Philippines and where are you currently streaming from in case that's different from where you're residing? And now I was going to say, too, I'm fortunate to know you two personally and know that you're not from originally the D.C. area. So feel free to share where you both are also originally from. So um, I'm actually was born in Brooklyn and raised in New Jersey. And um, currently, yes, we are in the Maryland, D.C. local area. Sweet. Parents. Oh, parents, <laughs> Yes. Um, so my mom is from Pangasinan and my dad is from Batangas. Nice. And then where in Jersey did you uh, grow up, Gina? I grew up in a town called Piscataway. So for those who know, it's actually where Rutgers University is based out of their main campus. So it's central New Jersey, about an hour from New York. Great. What about you, Raniel? Yeah, so, uh. It's a little jarring when you said East Coast because I'm originally a West Coast guy. <laughs> so long that yeah, I guess I guess it fits. Uh, so I'm originally from San Diego. Grew up, grew up in Southern California, uh, and my mom is from a town called Navacan in Ilocosor. Okay. And my dad is from a town called Lawak in Pangasinan. So I, I grew up in in Ilocano House. Nice. I had to, <laughs> and I had to ask if your parents knew each other because you both mentioned that you have family in Pangasinan. Yeah. Yes, but no, they don't really. Yeah, <laughs> we we checked. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 don't. No. And Raniel, I know like San Diego has also different um, neighborhoods. Where in San Diego are you from? 
Uh, so from the South Bay. So originally from San Isidro and Chula Vista. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, I got cousins in Chula Vista, so I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah. know them. <laughs> probably. We probably hit the same uh, ta- tacos, so, you know. Right. Yeah, I'll have to ask how the Mexican food compares now that you're in the D.C. area. <laughs> that's, that's a different I, podcast. I, I like that question. Skip. <laughs> Skip. <laughs> now, I, I, as well as our listeners, have a lot to learn from you both in regards to triathlons and marathons. And here's a fun fact. Um, there was actually a moment in time when I dreamed about being a triathlete, but the reality is, is that I don't enjoy running and nor do uh, and even after taking swimming lessons as both an adult and a child i'm still not a strong swimmer i'm actually terrified by like when i go into the ocean i if i can't touch the my feet on the sand i'm that's the furthest i'll go so um you know ranuel in the musical theater world they would call you a triple threat if you could dance act and sing which we know many in our community are capable of doing out there um, however, in the triathlon world, you're a triple threat in your own right with the ability to compete in running, swimming, and cycling. So tell us about your origin story, starting off with when did you start training and competing? So we'll start with that question. Sure, sure. So so let me let me tease out the triple threat threat comment, right? <laughs> yeah. So when when I think of triple threat, I'm thinking of someone that's actually good <laughs> at three different things. Yeah. So, so to be clear, uh, it, as a triathlete, I, I'm competent <laughs> in three different things, right? Which is which is really what you 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 need to kind of get through it. Um, so, with respect to the origins of the sport, for me, um, I would say that the basis of triathlon is really running. Mm. Uh, if you ask most triathletes uh, that that continue to uh, compete. Um, we all started off as runners, right? So it kind of falls into the category of endurance sports. Um, so I, I started running uh, in my late 20s for a good five years, but all, all kinds of distances. And it wasn't until um, one day I was watching television. Yeah. And uh, you might have heard of the Iron Man yeah. races. And they do a great job marketing their brand to the point where they have dedicated shows where they showcase all of these athletes just learning how to do the race and do like all three sports. Um, and I was just, it just caught my attention. Mm. And a lot of it had to do with being able to try two other sports in addition to running, right? Because uh, and, and it, that essentially caught my interest. Okay. Um, so like you though, I was terrified of swimming. <laughs> Right. And, and most people getting into the sport yeah. are intimidated by that particular sport. Right. Um, because if you think about it, it's it's the one event that you can actually hurt yourself right? and it, if, if you kind of panic. Right. Um, but in, in terms of how I got into it, um, a lot of it had to do with just um, finding time to learn, um, mm. getting access to a lot of YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being um, welcomed into the triathlete community because they, they, they very much encourage a lot of beginners to, to, to kind of join the sport and taking a couple of swim lessons. And ultimately, um, I was competent enough to get through the swim, right? And then ultimately wow. get into the bike and then get into the run. So, so that's how I got into it. And it's, it's been close to almost 11 years now. 
since I started doing it. Wow. I didn't realize that you learned how to swim in order to be a triathlete. That's pretty amazing. Right. And and I think to your audience, you know, for anyone that may be interested, all, all it really all you really need, right, is a bike, some running shoes, and access to a pool, whether it's a YMCA, someone's backyard, right? A, a backyard pool. And and the trick to getting into swimming is just learning how to be comfortable uh-huh. and to just pace yourself. And w- once you're able to do that, you kind of learn a little bit of technique. And like most triathletes, yes. um, they don't like to swim. That's why it's the first event. You want to get through it. <laughs> and then the rest <laughs> of it is biking and swimming. Wow. Right. Now, um, you, I mean, it's funny when you were saying that you started running in your 20s, like the media jokester in my head was like, were you running from some someone or were you running towards <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so the right answer is towards her <laughs> Thank obviously you. yeah right. um, but uh, there, there's also kind of the uh, uh, the health aspect to it right? yeah um, so um, but the, the funny thing is is my you know your metabolism starts to go uh, in, in your late 20s at least for me uh, I, I wasn't lucky enough to continue eating the same foods that I would always eat. Mm. And I needed a way to be able to just just get that cardio in, right? And ultimately find ways of being able to to kind of relax and, and kind of decompress. And running was a good way of doing that. Wow. So it kind of maintains the fitness um, during that time frame. And 10 years is pretty impressive. So you've been a triathlete for the past 10 years. That's right. That's Wow. Okay. Yeah. 10 years and still going. I'm learning, folks. <laughs> Like, don't think that I had pre-interviewed them about any of us before. I'm really learning with all of y'all. What about you, Gita? Tell us about your origin story. And you're not a triathlete, are you? No, not at all. The swim is definitely not for me. Yeah. Um, As I still take lessons to learn and stuff. But yes, so how my story started was actually quite personal because um, I was working and doing my training in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I was in residency at the time, and I actually developed asthma. So that's when I first had it. I didn't have it growing up, but being living in inner city and all this, um, I developed it in my mid-20s. And what happened was I saw a doctor who then told me when I said, oh, I'm interested in you know doing long-distance running, the doctor told me, oh, running is not for everybody. And long-distance running is not for everybody. So I was like, oh. Really? (laughs) And instead of taking that as a, oh, I'm going to stop running because somebody told me not to, I'm actually the type of person to say, you told me I can't do something, I'm going to watch me. (laughs) So, um, and I was interested in it. I just heard about it from relatives and, you know, we, I think maybe Randall had already done some 5Ks and things like that um, by the time it was 07 or maybe even done like his first marathon. Um, So... I ended up signing up for a half marathon. It was in New York City in Central Park. It was actually an all women's uh, uh, marathon, half marathon, and trained for it. And, you know, that was my reason for getting into running. It was to prove to somebody that having a diagnosis of asthma was not going to stop me from being an athlete. And, you know, I played field hockey growing up and was a dancer and all this. But to, for somebody to tell you you can't do something, it really just pushes you to say, oh, no, I'm going to prove to you that I did this. 
<laughs> and I didn't think like a 5K or anything. I was like, let's just do a half marathon. Yeah. Um, so my first half marathon was in 2009. And again, I was diagnosed around 07. And yes, so it was in Central Park, ran around the loop that's up in the city. And it was really a, what I remember of it was that it was this big accomplishment where to say, wow, you know, trained for a couple months and actually completed it and crossed the finish line, <laughs> which is always how you want to finish if you can, yeah. you know, finishing upright um, <laughs> and getting that medal. And, and really for everybody who does some type of run or some type of event, there's always a story behind it. So if there's, you know, a thousand runners or 2000 or 40 or 50,000, it's so interesting to know that there's a reason why people do this and then what their why is like, what's your reason for training all these months and then putting it out up, up there when you actually have the event. So that was the beginning of my, um, yes, my running journey. <laughs> and since then, you know, it's progressed into different distances and a few more half marathons and, you know, one full, but it was, yes, 2009 was my first now, were you also in your 20s? Yes. Okay. So yes. both of you started um, running in your 20s. You you weren't um, on track or cross country in high school or? No. Wow. Not at all. <laughs> okay. And so you were saying, was it the swimming part that in intimidates you from doing a, a triathlon or Gino or is that for you or? Yes. Yes. So swimming is not my strong suit. Um, I've taken lessons and even in a pool, it's very challenging, but, you know, Randall's experience, even in open water, which is what they call, right? Like ocean and lakes, um, is a whole nother world of swimming. So <laughs> I could probably do it if I like just kind of floated back and, you know, yeah. <laughs> but nothing where it's like professional freestyle. Right? I need to give her a why, uh -huh. right? And then maybe we can get you into the track. Oh, yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say I'm in awe, seriously, of many of our podcast podcast guests who juggle so many things and still find ways to prioritize their own health and wellness. Now, I, what I know from you both is that you have full-time jobs, um, correct? And um, you both are parents of twins, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> and I want to know, when do you find time to train? And what does your training and preparation look like throughout the year? So um, do you, um, you know, both, uh, you know, do you, are you part of a community or um, do you train together? Uh, how do you find time to really prepare for all these um, marathons and triathlons that you participate in? So good question. Um, and, you know, actually how it, it works out for us is that we're able to squeeze this in in the morning and so we wake up really early in the morning <laughs> anywhere from 5 to 5 30 and so for me in terms of running um so i'll use my marathon that i did in october as an example so how i train for that is three short runs during the week and that's anywhere from two miles to four miles, maybe, you know, depending on the training program. So you do that three days a week during the week, and then what's called a long run on the weekend. 
So um, Saturdays, for example, depending on the program, you can build up. So you start at like four, six, eight, ten, come back down some weeks and then go up. Um, so that those runs can run anywhere from, you know, 45 minutes to two, three, four hours <laughs> when you get to, you know, 18, 20 miles. Wow. I'm a slow runner. I'm a super slow runner. I'm not somebody who's like fast. So the fact that I can even, you know, think about running these distances, is like a huge, you know, hurdle to have come over. Um, so that's typically how a uh, marathon training would be. And, you know, for half marathons, it's the same idea where you do these short runs during the week and a long run on the weekend. And it can still take a couple months to train. But if you're already at a baseline fitness level, then you might be able to train in like eight to 12 weeks as opposed to, you know, a few long ones. And so I use the program actually called Hal Higdon's running program. It's he's like a big running coach and it's free resources online. How do you so you look yeah, at how do you spell that, Gina? And spell H A L H I G D O N. Okay. So if you you know look them up online, it's got a bunch of different training um, programs. So you can start with, you know, your ten Ks or five Ks and half marathons, marathons. And you can start as a novice, which is a beginner level. Or if you've done a few of those already, then he has an intermediate and advanced. So I've done all the novice. <laughs> and that's my level. <laughs> Just starting off. And, you know, so, yeah, I, I would recommend, if not Hal Higdon's program, there's a bunch of different options in terms of um, learning. Now, is that like a kind of program? Is it is an audio program or like? Um, so I think he's got some coaching programs that are you can purchase right uh -huh. but what i use is just his plan okay so you print out like a, a sheet that says okay monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday what your schedule would be in the weekend um it builds up okay. yeah I mean, week, week to week like we want so he creates yeah, like a regiment this distance exactly. yeah so schedule so that it's already set got and it you know that people have done it so you're like oh, okay if it works then there's some kind of thing to to base your training it, it, it's fairly conservative enough for the beginner yeah. to just follow here yeah right? i mean it, it, it's it, he, he's not very aggressive when it comes to building that base yeah so that's that's why it's really easy for folks to get and there's rest days so you're not running every single day yeah you, know, you do a long run and then you um take a rest on monday or sunday something like that okay so, okay. so you're waking up around five o'clock to train and so what time do you normally go to bed Oh, so for me, probably by 10, okay. 10.30 Eastern Santa. Yeah. I guess it <laughs> would be the same. Um, so good, you know, seven, eight hours of sleep. Okay. And it depends too on the sun. Right. Right. So we try to, like right now the sun is up at 5.30 and it's good to, you know, for me, I'm a morning person, but somebody else might say, oh, I can find time in the evening based on my schedule or after work or, and I know people who do that um, evening train. For me, I'm just a morning person. I'm like, oh, yeah. ready to go? Let's do this. And actually, here's a trick. Because it's hard to train in the morning, I actually sometimes sleep in my clothes. <laughs> I've done that for work. So that is <laughs> so one less thing. That's right. One less thing that will stop you. Because if you're already dressed in it, you're like, okay, I guess I have to go. Right. <laughs> because it's the getting out of bed and realizing what you're about to do. So the there's trick. things that you can make easier. You're like, oh. 
I'm here. I just gotta put on my shoes and you know my gear. Good trip. We're good to go. Do you, <laughs> now, what time do you start work? Oh, so depends on the day. Sometimes this early seven thirty. Okay. Um, but other days are typically like eight thirty. Okay, so you'll give yourself maybe an hour to run. Yes. Okay. Before you start getting yes. ready for like mm-hmm. work during the work week. And yes, exactly. And so the short runs are the ones on the weekday. Huh. So that can take anywhere from half hour or 45 minutes. Okay. And then on the weekends, yes. I'm assuming that you're um, sharing parental responsibilities when you're going on your run or? Yes. yes. So also in the morning. Yes. And I go in the morning. If it's like a two hour run, three hour long run, then Randall's making breakfast. <laughs> and it takes I, I come back. Yes. It takes a team, a lot of support. It's a team effort. And when I come back, I'm like, oh, you know, breakfast is ready, which is perfect because you need your protein after. Right. Wow. And what about you, Raniel? What does um, your training <laughs> schedule look like? So I guess you don't train together. So you're not, you don't ever run together or? So to be quite honest, the reason we don't run together is because our kids Absolutely. are still too young to be home. By home. Right. Um, if we had a choice, we uh, actually pre-kids. And they don't um, run with but, you, do they? Uh, no. Not yet. No. Sometimes they've gone on bikes. Yeah. Sometimes they'll be, get on a bike while you run with them. Right. Done that. Okay. And, and we, we have pushed them around when they were younger on these running strollers, but that ends up becoming too much of a workout. Yeah, so oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the three wheelers. Right. That's yeah. a full commitment. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, to, to answer your question, it is tag teaming right at this point. Uh-huh. Um, uh, be- because of the fact that, you know, um, training is important to both of us, right? Mm-hmm. And you, the, the health benefits alone are enough for us to just sacrifice for each other to make sure that we can find the time to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're all better off for it. We mm-hmm. come back in a great mood. Yes. <laughs> we have energy. Yeah. Uh, it, it is worth the sacrifice is, of letting yeah. your partner. <laughs> Uh, I'll offer to do the laundry when I get back. And I'm ready to go. He's ready right? to go. It's so, like all. But uh, it, when it when it comes to to triathlon training, right? So similar to what Gina was describing, you have to develop the base, and you develop that base uh, starting uh, you know X number of weeks before a race, and that's dependent on the distance, which we can get into a little bit later. But uh, a typical week uh, would essentially include uh, what they call two short runs during. Right, so you know more than twenty to thirty minutes, um, maybe like on a Tuesday, Thursday. Um, throw in a swim at least one day a week, right, at the pool, <laughs> and that session can last anywhere between thirty to forty-five minutes, just swimming laps and doing drills. Um, maybe a short bike ride during the week. You know, if you live close enough to work, ride your bike to work. You know, it doesn't have to be a straight um, uh, workout session. And then similar to the marathon, the weekends are when you do like the longer distance training, right? So on a Saturday, for example, that's when I would do my longer bike rides, anywhere between 25 to 50 miles, depending on what that's going to be. So that would, you know, be a few hours. Um, And, you know, like Gina, I'm a morning person when it comes to working out. So especially on the weekends, I'm up as early as I can. If the sun is up, then I'm I'm on the road. and it's important, you know, I'm sure your cyclists that, that you spoke to in your previous podcast deal with this. You want to avoid the cars too, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it could be dangerous. Totally. Um, and, then, and then on a Sunday is when you do the long run, 
Okay, so you kind of put that all together. So it's a little bit more demanding um, than than just the running training. But as I stated earlier, uh, you get to do three different sports, right? Um, and it's you know when I grew up, I I love to swim and bike as a kid. Yeah. And naturally, you just run because you just do that as a kid. So essentially, you're kind of a kid again, almost. Yeah. But you're, there's like a purpose behind. That's what you, our cyclist right? said. Right, 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 exactly. Um, and uh, the, the the other interesting tidbit of training is as you get closer, uh, triathletes like to do this thing that they call bricks. So if you've never heard of the term brick before, it's essentially you go for a long ride. And immediately after that ride, you actually put your running shoes on and you go for a run. Oh my God. So you're actually putting together two events t- together during a training session because of the fact that your legs feel like bricks after a long bike wow. ride and you have to kind of train the, the legs to kind of get the blood flowing again so you can run. So you don't want to do that all the time because it, it'll you, you'll probably destroy you. So you, you try to do that maybe a few times before the actual race to prepare. So, yeah. Well, you mentioned also, though, that you wake up early to start cycling. So how does that work um, with your parent, your parenting schedule then? So same concept, like if, if I'm going on a bike ride, um, she knows about it a day or two ahead. Uh-huh. So uh, like on a Sunday, you know, bike bike ride from six to 10 in the morning. Right. Um, so Gina's going to be home with them until, until I come home. Um, another thing that I can likely do these days, um, if folks get into triathlon and they get into cycling, there are things that you can actually set up at home to ride at home. For example... I have a, a, a trainer, right? So, so we we can look that up another time. But it's essentially a, a way of mounting your bike um, on an indoor trainer, which allows you to kind of spin. It's kind of like an indoor spin, and that that still gives you that workout without having to leave, right? So, yeah. so I'll, I'll, I'll be up in the the kids running around. So. Okay, got it. Now, when you're training, is there or Maybe on the regular, are there is there a specific, is there a particular diet that you have to adhere to? Um, I you know that I've heard like for example for runners, it's like like they eat a lot of carbs and um and I don't know if that's what helps build energy. Um, so I know as you know you mentioned you're also on a regiment. So is there a, a particular diet to help you prepare for your meets or you know for for your uh, marathons or your triathlons? Yeah, so no particular diet, but exactly what you mentioned, which is carbs. Yeah. Um, usually most of the runners, right? And before big events, you're doing like a carb loading yeah. or pasta dinner the night before. Uh-huh. So um, yes, so before long runs and sometimes definitely the nights before even some short runs, it kind of helps to have a little bit of a pasta, you know, on the side of the dish or if not a whole pasta meal really does give you energy and helps you sustain much longer. Um, and usually, yes, but no diet. Typically, and I've heard everyone has their own thing. Right. So I've heard of runners who like will have a pint of ice cream, you know, <laughs> the night before or after a race. It really allows you to eat a lot of different things because, your, meta- yes, yeah. <laughs> because your metabolism is just is burning, you know, how many hundreds of calories right. you know, per per session? Or and some people um, also prefer to increase their protein, like protein shakes, yes, protein. or so. So is that, or you know, for runners, like maybe electrolytes. <clears throat> so are those other things that you introduce in, when you're training or when you're actually competing? 
Yes. So protein's good for recovery, uh, right? Because yes. what what happens is with all of the running, um, you're you're really breaking down the muscles. I mean, you're 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 damaging your your body, right? So you need to recover. So um, protein kicks in nicely, right? After a long run, after a long ride. Um, otherwise, as as Gina stated, um, ca- carving up is important, right? Just to just to have the energy, and depending on what you're doing. Nutrition during the event yes. is just as important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned this the hard way when I first started running that water isn't going to cut it mm-hmm. when you're going beyond, for example, five kilometers. Okay. Um, because you need um, you need like an energy drain, you know, uh, something with electrolytes in it. Right. Coconut water is a good alternative to Gatorade if you want to avoid sugar. Mm-hmm. But uh, you need to kind of... Um, not just the diet and preparation during training, but the actual event. Um, come up with a strategy to ensure that you're you're there. You files the calories right? and the electrolytes to kind of ditch. And then in terms of proteins, uh, do you both lean more towards like red meat, um, seafood, white, you know, chicken, like to also like on the regular, like are there certain vegetables that you like to eat to also kind of balance out your systems? I mean, for, for me personally, I, I try to avoid as much red meat as possible. Yes. Um, my, my preference is to stay with uh, fish, fish and chicken. Yes. Um, you know, uh, t- t- tuna, tuna melts are good for me. Yeah. <laughs> right? But I, I don't necessarily <laughs> eat <they're> great. <clears throat> And, and so easy to do, um, but uh, you know, protein shapes are excellent as well, right? And and uh, and, and be there to kind of get that quick recovery. But I, I don't necessarily gravitate towards a specific protein regimen. But uh, as Gina stated, um, because of the fact that you're burning so many calories, you can get that extra chicken like if you eat it right, because all uh, you, you can cheat a little bit more. Yeah. Well, how about you, Gina? Um, I tend to stick more with like seafood, chicken, so I'm a big shrimp, fish, tilapia, salmon. Um, I'll have a little guy to eat over to hamburger, change your roll in there. But for the most part, yeah, love seafood, love chicken. So no, no traditional Filipino diets for you both? <laughs> we'll throw in like some, you know, chicken adobo. And... Yeah. <laughs> Especially when Lola comes over to meet yes, the kids, yes. right? I mean, she's uh, she takes over our kitchen and and, and does all of the dishes. And, right. And like I said, you can cheat every now and then. Sure. <laughs> like, we're, we're not we're not like we don't have a menu saying okay, yeah. we have to eat yeah. this. Like, like uh, as long as um, you know you're you're consistent with the amounts, as long as you stick to your training schedule and you're burning the calories, it allows you to kind of be a little bit uh, diverse. Um, not too much yeah got it well thank you both for sharing your training schedule and and i know in particular i've always been curious to just inquire about if your diet changes when you're also training for marathons or triathlons now aside from um training for marathons and triathlons and being parents um you both also have day jobs right so what do you both um, do when you're not running or when you're not parents? <laughs> so I'm actually a um, allergist immunologist in the D.C. area here. So I take care of um, kids and adults who have allergies, asthma, immunological conditions. 
So that's my day job. <laughs> so I, I am a former military officer. Uh, I work in the defense industry as an engineer. And right now I run a business organization for a large defense uh, contractor, uh, which consists of upwards to two dozen engineers and program managers. So that definitely keeps busy. What kind of engineer are you, Raniel? Uh, I studied electrical when I was in Like my dad. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And and then Gina, I think it's interesting that you're an allergist and you focus also on asthma and immunology because mm-hmm. you mentioned that you had a doctor that deterred you from running due yes. to the asthma that you developed. So was there a correlation there between um you know that experience and wanting to pursue this career? And I'm I'm curious, did your asthma asthma ever get in the way of you running your marathons? Yes. So good question. Um, it has helped uh, me to understand my patients. And it was part of why I went into this particular field or subspecialty. A lot of it had to do with family history and asthma and allergies running in our family. So um, being able to serve people who are like my titos, my you know cousins and dads with eczema, allergies, all of that. Um, and what I've found, which is really what drives me now, being an asthmatic myself, is that I can help support patients who have their own personal physical goals. So I have triathlete patients, I have marathon runners, those who are training for their first 5K with asthma. And so my job and role, which is such an honor, is to be able to support them in that with, you know, however I can treat them um, and different techniques to avoid their allergens, but really to help them reach that goal. So for somebody to say, you can't do that because you have this condition, mm-hmm. I'm an example of, no, I have this condition and I can do it. And so it's really something where I'm driven to be able to have the opportunity to treat people so that they can do whatever their goals are. I have those who do century rides, you know, as um, Nelson and uh, Jordan mentioned last time, you know, so anything you can do and having a condition does not stop you. If anything, it may motivate you to say, oh, look, I know somebody who's done it and they can, um, you know, help me be that inspiration of uh, completing it myself. And so in a way, what I can say for me personally is that my asthma has been controlled. So I'm able to um, have it treated in a way that doesn't trigger um, my symptoms when I run these long distances. But I do have, you know, the inhaler, my rescue inhaler nearby, should I need to use it? And, you know, actually being very mindful of what the triggers are, right? So for example, um, if I had pollen season as a big thing, like here in the East Coast spring in, you know, February, March, April, May, you know, you want to be mindful of running outside or making sure that your breathing is controlled. Um, just was it last week or two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we had the wildfires here right. that were coming from Canada. So it was a whole air quality alert. And so if air pollution is your trigger, you definitely want to be mindful. Well, maybe today I don't run outside. Maybe I find a treadmill or I push my run to a different day so that you're not putting yourself in a position that's going to make it worse because you know that that's a trigger but still allowing you to reach that goal in a safe manner. I see. 
Right. So does that answer your question? (laughs) Well, and so you never really had to experience any hindrance from having asthma. You were able, like, along the way when you were training after your doctor had told you that. Did you, um, yeah, did you ever experience any any close, close to being like having attacks or what? What was, yeah, how did you reach that point where you were able to have control over your asthma? So that's the important part, right? Asthma is something that you will have what we call um, chronically. Right. And there are for a long time. And there are things that can um, trigger it and make it worse. And things that when you take your medicine or it's under control, keep it under control. And so as long as you can train and run when you're under control, that's the idea. So my suggestion would be make sure that you do see your healthcare practitioner or your asthma specialist, your pulmonologist, to get that under control so that you're able to accomplish these goals. Um, and in my case, I because I'm you know able to say, okay, today's the day I'm not going to train. I try not to put myself in a position where I know my asthma is going to act up. Okay. So for example. You know, if I'm sick with a cold, yeah, that's probably not a good time. I might have to push a couple days of training um, for when I feel better because that's only going to make me worse until the cold is gone and I'm back to a normal baseline. So again, it's really being mindful of yourself, your body, what makes it so that you're able to continue and what things kind of hinder you from doing it and not letting it stop you as long as it's safe. Yeah. Do you have any also like health conditions or challenges, Raniel, that you have to overcome to while training? Um, I wouldn't say chronic health. Um, uh, however, I am prone to cramping, uh-huh. which is common for folks that do endurance um, uh, training. Uh, it, it happened to me when I was much younger doing a half marathon. It showed up on a marathon when I was younger and uh, occasionally, um, depending on how hot it is during a triathlon or even training, um, I, I may run into it. Um, so uh, unfortunately, and again, you know, I, I, I'm certainly not an expert on on the physiology behind why it happens, uh, but it is still a mystery, <laughs> right? According to all the literature I've been reading as to why it occurs. Um, but one thing that I did find that would um, mitigate the effects would just be diet, right? And just making sure that you are eating appropriately, you are hydrated, you have enough sodium and electrolytes, um, and and that kind of helps helps ease that. Otherwise, um, when you're training and you cramp up, you can kind of stop, right, and relax and stretch. Right. Uh, during a race, you have to somehow power through it and just and just and just go. You, you take the uh, time penalty, I guess. Yes. But in the end. Uh, you know, that that is something that I, I kind of have to watch out for. Got it. Let's move into understanding more about these races and the ones that you've both been involved with. In general, Raniel, you mentioned how um, watching the Ironman competitions got you into triathlons. Now, between the two of you, you've had a plethora of competitions from um, New Jersey State Triathlon, the New York City, D.C., um, the Love Run Philadelphia half marathons that you've done, Gina. Um, and then Ranual, you've done the Marine Corps uh, marathon, the Cherry Blossom 10 miler, miler. So 
for those of us who are new to this, what are the distances of each of these races? Because I can tell you, even just doing this interview, I should have done my research about <laughs> how long the distance is. Um, but I have you here to explain it to me. So um, um, for our listeners that are maybe listening in other countries, maybe if you could also share um, the imperial or um, the metric calculations to what these distances are and how are they structured? So, Ranul, you mentioned that earlier that you start off with the swimming, but I'm I'm not quite sure what's after that. So, why don't sure, we start sure. with with the distance and then we'll talk about the structure? Okay. Um, so, uh, I, I, I'm going to have to flip that. I, I need. I think I need to describe the structure first. Oh yeah, sure. Because the the, the distances are actually they, they correlate to the you, okay to the yeah events, right. So uh, every triathlon is going to be swim, bike, run. That that's always going to be um, the uh, <clears throat> the general order for which the events take place. Um, and when when you think about the different types of triathlon distances, they fall into two major categories. There's going to be uh, what, what we call short distances, short distance races, and then obviously the long distances. So the short ones, um, uh, are, there are two different kinds. One is the sprint triathlon. Okay. And that distance would essentially be a 500-meter swim, uh, a 15-mile uh, bike ride or a 25 kilometer bike ride uh, and then a, uh, a three mile run which equates to about a 5k run right so uh, I, I love sprint triathlons in fact my first one was a sprint um you can uh probably train in about two months and and, and knock it out in about uh, an hour and a half and be home in time for breakfast right so it's a great distance for for beginners um the next uh short distance triathlon is is the Olympic distance. So if you watch the Olympics, the Summer Olympics every four years, um that's what you will see for that particular event. Um and the distances there are fifteen hundred meter swim, so it's likely three times the swim distance of the sprint, uh twenty-five mile bike run or forty forty kilometers, uh when you're looking at that, and then a six point one mile uh run, which is uh essentially a ten K. Yeah, so so a little bit takes a little bit more to get through that, um, but that that summarizes short distance now, and then you get into the long distances, right? Um, so we we talked earlier about Ironman. That that is Ironman's a brand. Okay. So so uh, there are a number of other um, triathlon brands that that actually host these races, uh, but long distance are uh, you have the seventy point three distance, which is seventy miles. Oh my god, point three. And then 140.6, which is the full Ironman, right? The full Ironman distance. So the 70.3 is a 1.2 mile swim, almost a two two kilometer swim, <laughs> 56 mile bike ride, uh, which is 40 kilometers. I'm uh, I'm sorry, 90 kilometers, and then a half marathon after that, 13.1. Right. So and then you can guess what the full Ironman is. You just double those distances, right? So 140 miles total. Uh, so 2.4 mile swim or three, uh, right, uh, 3.9 kilometer swim, 120, 112 miles on a bike, which is 180 kilometers, and then 26.2 mile run at the end of it, which is 42 kilometers. Wow. I, so yeah. those two races are, uh, you're committed, right? I mean, uh, a, a half iron can take anywhere between 
five to eight or so hours, give or take. And then a full iron can take anywhere between 12 to 16, 15 hours. Oh, my God. Right? Even longer. And when then, do they eat so, or use the restroom? <laughs> uh, during the race. <laughs> like, what, during the race. Take a restroom break. <laughs> hey, right, right. And yes. No one would um, know. <laughs> Luckily, uh, depending on where the venue is on the bike ride, you'll, you'll occasionally find a porta potty or a random tree that you can park oh, your bike on. And, and yeah, but uh, yeah. Wow, I mean, I now I would want to actually know what is the um, oldest person to compete these Ironman that competitions would like the age. I would be really interesting to find out. So it's it's broken up into age groups, right? Wow. So you, you participate in age groups, and they do have folks well into their seventies and eighties. That That's so, so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, um, for the ones that you both have competed in or participated in. Do you have any favorites or what were these, ex were they all different types of experiences? Tell us more about, about that for both of you. I'm going to go since you just <laughs> Um Yeah. So, so I, I was lucky enough to do uh, a 70.3 Ironman. So, so this is the half iron distance. Oh, wow. Um, and this was in Atlantic city, New Jersey in 2017. Um, That's not too long ago. And it wasn't too long ago, but it was definitely my favorite. It is the longest. I, I have yet to do a full 140. Um, but when it comes to the 70.3 Ironman at Atlantic City, it was amazing because of, it, um, of all the work that went into it. Uh -huh. Right. For, for something like that, um, Gina really had to sacrifice <laughs> a lot of time. And the girls were young. And, and our, our daughters were very young. So uh, she she was essentially watching them while I was out on a Saturday tooling around on my bike for hours. Yeah. Right. And the cool thing about triathlon is um, for spectators, you could essentially be in one spot um, because of the fact that Every triathlon race revolves around a central location where all of our athletes' gear is located to include the bike, the swimming equipment, like your, your shoes for running. Mm -hmm. It's an area that we call the transition area. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're watching a, a marathon, um, you kind of have to plan where you're going to be to find your loved one as they race through. But in a triathlon, you can essentially be in one area to kind of see uh, you know, the person you're cheering for, come back from the swim, like go out on the bike, come back from the bike, go out on the run. And wow. the reason this was fun for me was, you know, we were, this was a, a destination race. Um, my daughters were there. Um, Gina was there with, with them. And, you know, you find kind of that energy and that motivation to keep going. You know, they're, they're out there with the little cowbells cheering you on. Um, and it was just, it was an amazing experience. And again, um, I, I will say that all of the races are great because in the end it becomes kind of the, uh, the reward, right? Right. It's the reward and for all the work that you put into it and it becomes a celebration, right? It's, it's not this daunting thing that you're worried about. It becomes, I can't, can't wait to get there. Can't wait to get through it. Right. Um, I, I'm certainly not saying that at the very beginning because <laughs> it's such a daunting thing. <laughs> It, it took me about six and a half hours to complete that race. So, oh my gosh. Uh, that was a very long one. Yeah. Yep. Wow. But it was a great accomplishment, right? 
Yeah, I had, I mean, what about you, Gene? I was gonna, well, I wanted to ask, like, how are you, what are you eating during that six hours? It's a good question. Um, so I had my food on my bike, to be honest with you. Um, so, uh, on the bike, you can actually put a little zipper pouch and I think I had pierogies that day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we made pierogies, uh, so probably around mile 40 of my bike ride, I'm sitting there, um, just kind of going through my food and oh, a couple of others. Oh, pierogies. Yeah. Maybe. If you... <laughs> my apologies. Uh, they, they're kind of like, so they're kind of like empanadas. Right? They're Polish. They're, they're, they're like, they're, they're Polish dumplings. Okay. You know, Polish dumplings with, with potatoes. Yeah. So, so filled with good carbs. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, wow. a lot, a lot of, a lot of fueling there. And by the way, uh, m- maybe a, a number of athletes that are watching this may know, but we also do um, gels. They have these energy gels that are easy to consume, um, easy to put away. Right, into your pocket afterwards, and we get a good dose of calories and carbohydrates. Got it. So you're eating these mm-hmm. pierogies while you're cycling. So that whole uh, myth <laughs> about um, eating and like you know, like and being active. Because have you ever heard that? Like if it's like because it and leads to digestion or indigestion. So that's um, that's you just debunk. Got to be careful. Yeah. I, uh, my suggestion is don't try a recipe for the first time yes. on race day. Like make make sure that your stomach can handle what you're gonna eat, because the last thing you want to do is to have like GI right. gastrointestinal issues in the middle of a race. Yeah. So, so l- luckily I knew my my stomach could handle the pierogies on the bike. Yeah, the, the trick is to not crash. So. <laughs> right. And Eugenia, do you did you have any favorites from the marathons, half marathons that you've done, or, uh, yeah. So I would say my favorite is the Marine Corps Marathon that I did in October. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say that it was the time I finished it <laughs> because it took me, you know, um, I did have some injury through towards um, the end of the race. And for those who are um, athletes, I had what's called IT band syndrome. So it's called the iliotibial band and it's a, it can cause knee pain. So in different races that I've done, it's started in different parts of the race. And um, the IT band causes you to not be able to run. So you actually feel knee pain while you're running. So you have to stop. And um, I think I felt it around while 18, was it? It was after I saw you guys. So between mile 18 to 26.2, I had this knee pain. And so I say this because it was a struggle. (laughs) There were, I was walking probably for the last couple miles or I'd run and then walk. And so it's something where all the training that went into it, which for this marathon took me six months to train for, I was like, well, I'm going to finish this. And it doesn't matter how long it takes. You know, and my motivation for having done it, like I was going to complete it. And so I finally did it. And it wasn't the time that I wanted. I thought I would do much better because I did really strong for the first half. But in the end, after I sat with it and I was just like, oh, and it was a little sad for the next two, three days. I was like, wow, I'm not really um, that happy with it. I was a little disappointed. It took me a couple more days to realize, wow, you actually did 26.2 miles. You know, and give yourself credit for for that. And, you know, in the community, a lot of people were like, well, you PR'd. 
and PR means personal record. And because I've never done it before, it was a personal record. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, in reflecting on it, there was, you know, my reason for having won that particular race and, you know, seeing the family, as Randa said, like when you see your family or those supporting you, if you're fortunate enough to have people um, there that day, it was this experience. And we always make it as best of an experience as we can. So depending on what destination we go to, if we go to Philly or um, Atlantic City, we get a hotel room the night before, even though technically we've been driven to D.C. in half hour, at five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, but we get a hotel, we make an experience. We have pasta, pasta dinner, an Italian restaurant, uh, yeah. pre-race night. And the whole experience was, wow, all of that hard work, which I never thought I could run a marathon. And this is why it's so interesting that you, you know, asked us to do this because never in my life, even if you asked me, you know, a year and a half ago, would you have done a marathon? I was like, no, I'm kind of good with my, you know, haps, 13.1 miles. There was just something that drove me to do it last year. And now looking back on it, I'm like, wow, I actually did that and would have never, ever thought. And I'm telling you this when I say that when I started training for the marathon, even two miles was really hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would run two miles. That was part of my schedule. And I was like, oh, my goodness, how can I do this like 13 more times? Like, yeah. it sounds so daunting. Um, but then, you know, months later, you, you build that endurance and that stamina that you're like, I actually did this. And you never know what you can accomplish unless you think about it as an option, mm. as like a possibility, right? And so again, never in a million years, a year and a half ago, 26.2 would never been in my vocabulary. Um, but now saying like, wow, I actually did that. It wasn't the best race I did, but I did it. And now it drives you to actually do it again <laughs> so that you can actually do it better. Yeah, they, they do um, talk about runner's high. Yes. So yeah. you both are nodding like that. Yeah, that's a real thing. It happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with the endorphins that kick in, right? I mean, it just kind of keeps you going. Yeah. Well, I think we're at a good uh, point in our episode to take a break um, and um, just, you know, start off with our first half. So, um, I mean, even in the first half, you know, I know we're barely touching the surface talking to you both about triathlons and marathons. Uh, thank you all for joining us for our fourth episode of season three. We're talking with Dr. Gina Dapul Hidalgo and her sp her spouse, Raniel Hidalgo. Feel free to take a quick stretch, refill your water or tea. We'll be right back after this quick break. Wherever you are is where I want to be. Will you come along? Everything ain't 
Welcome back to Philippine X and Wellness. You were just listening to the first part of Wherever You Are by Drew Kidd. A special shout out goes to DJ Les Talusan out in the DC area who put me on to Drew Kidd's music. You've got to check out Les's OPM Sundays that she does with Joel Kizan on Twitch and or Kison. Um, and I wanted to say OPM, if you don't know already, um, it stands for Original Filipino Music. So they definitely have good um, songs that they are original songs um, composed and produced, arranged in the Philippines. Uh, for more information, you can follow Les on Instagram at Les Talusan, L-E-S-T-A-L-U-S-A-N, Talusan, or Joel at Joel, J-O-E-L-Q-U-I-Z, um, spelt like quiz for those of you listening. Back to Drew Kidd, who is a Filipino-American piano player, composer, arranger, producer from Silver Spring, Maryland, where comedian Dave Chappelle is also from. Um, Wherever You Are features also supporting vocalist Deborah Bond. Published by Afrocentric Asian Music, Phantom Lover Publishing, and recorded by Dunk at Rum Runner Records, Brentwood, Maryland. You can help support Drew Kidd by following him on Instagram at Clout City bird gang and i'll have to spell this one out for you so it's um all one word clouts k-l-o-u-t with a k city spelled s-i-t-t-y bird spelled b-u-r-d and gang g-u-a-n-g you can find his music on most streaming platforms including bandcamp apple music spotify and youtube Shout out to our Philippine ex and Filipino-American musicians out there laying down the tracks. Returning from our break, we've been talking with power couple Dr. Gina Dapul Hidalgo and Raniel Hidalgo about triathlons and marathons. Continuing the conversation from our first half, I wanted to talk to you uh, both about gear because gear is an important part, right, of participating in triathlons and marathons so I'm sure with Gina you have to find a particular running shoe that will support these distances and with Ranuel I'm sure it's more than um, just having running shoes since you're doing three different ones so let's take uh, a shot at talking about gear who would like to take this sure thing yeah so uh you 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 said correctly triathlon does come with a lot of stuff um, I, I will say that uh, in to, to actually get through the race, there's some very basic things, right? That that you need to have on you. Um, so t- to start, when it comes to the swim, um, make sure that you obviously have a good pair of goggles. Okay, number one, uh, and also what you're going to wear um, is something that they call tr- triathlon shorts to start off. And triathlon shorts are essentially a uh, kind of a hybrid biker short. So if you're familiar with what biker shorts are, they, they have kind of padding. Uh-huh. Um, but the uh, a triathlon short uh, will allow you to actually get them wet, right, to, to be able to swim in them. Okay. Um, so at the very least, if you have those two things, that's enough to kind of get you through. Um, however, uh, one thing you might want to also consider is buying a swim wetsuit. There are going to be races that are what they call wetsuit legal, depending on where in the world you're racing. Um, Probably don't have to worry about that in the Philippines. (laughs) But if, for example, you're in California 
and this is an ocean race and you know southern california the water is cold um and depending if we're on the east coast or anywhere else depending on the time of year there's going to be certain temperatures where you are allowed to wear the wetsuit um you don't have to mm-hmm. however if it's really cold it's going to be tough to swim right so i, I would say that's something you want to come up explore Really quick, um, Red, Daniel, about the wetsuits. Wet are these mm-hmm. different wetsuits than what um, bodyboarders or surfers? Yeah, they're going to be different. Um, made, right. made of a, a thinner um, material, kind of what they call it neoprene. Uh-huh. And uh, it allows you to be a little bit buoyant, right, in the water. And they're going to be thinner than surfing wetsuits. Okay. Uh, surfing wetsuits, their primary goal is just to keep you warm, right? right? Um, swimming wetsuits keep you warm, but still allow you to move and and uh, to kind of move your arms for that freestyle stroke. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and when it comes to the bike, uh, you need a bike, right? And it could be anything from you know a a, a road bike. Uh, uh, it could be a, a time trial bike. You'll see a lot of that in in these Ironman races where uh, the kind of in this kind of aero position. Okay. Um, but uh, you can actually bring a hybrid, right? I mean, if you have a bicycle with a couple of gears to get you up a hill with a basket in front, you can race with that as well, right? You just need a bike and a helmet. <laughs> now you said you will not be able to race without a helmet. What was the type of bike? A time. So uh, the the one of the more common bikes that you will see at track tra- are called time trial bikes. Time trial. Right? Time trial. Okay. Right. And and the, these bikes, if you look at them, they are a lot more aerodynamic. Yeah. So if you look at them from the front, you will notice that they're going to be very streamlined when it comes to the design. Uh-huh. And uh, another common trait uh, or common characteristic of a time trial bike is in, instead of holding your handlebars yeah. to prop you up, you'll see a lot of the cyclists that are riding that way would be on their elbows, kind of in a plank position. Right, that's called an arrow position. Mm. So that kind of streamlines you um, to be as quick as you can and not have any kind of um, uh, joy. Wow, I'm geek. I'm geeking out. No, I, didn't, so, I didn't realize that that's part of this that contributes to the speed. It, it does. Okay. It does. And, and I mean, in, in the end, uh, you're, you're looking for ways to kind of make life easier, right? And, yeah. and if, if you can save some time and energy by being a little bit more aerodynamic, you're going to do that. Yeah. Um, however, it's not necessary, right? I've, I've seen athletes go in there with mountain bikes, yeah. uh, fat fat bikes with the big fat tires. I, I've seen them compete in those, right? And depending on what, what you're comfortable doing, a bike is a bike. Right? Yeah. And I'm obviously running shoes at the end for, for, for the last part of the yeah. What kind of bike do you have? Uh, so I actually have too many bikes. Um, when it when it comes to uh, tri- triathlon, uh, I ride a Felt B16. Uh-huh. So Felt is is kind of a, a a niche bike company. They they build a lot of uh, road racing bikes and time trial bikes. And uh, I've had that bike for for well over eight years now, and it's it's a pretty sturdy thing to use. Okay. Now for running shoes, what kind of running shoes do you both? Um, generally go for now i have to put out a disclaimer we're not endorsed by any particular company <laughs> so when are people are looking for running shoes what what are important components for you both so actually i would say um i was running for my first like how many years using nikes and i, I did my first couple half marathons using nikes and 
as I started to train for my um, full marathon last year, I realized I probably need something that's made for long distance running. Because not only are you running that actual 26.2, you have to lead up to it. So your shoes have to, you know, get to possibly a couple hundred miles in a few months. So I switched over um, last year to a, a company called Brooks. And this is a, a big, well-known running um, shoe company. And actually how I heard about it was from the running store. So based on, um, they, so some running stores will like test out your gait. Uh-huh. They'll put you on these little things and take a look, are you flat-footed and all this stuff um, and be able to recommend something. And um, you can get a custom soles that go with those shoes. So really all you need are shoes, but good socks. <laughs> you don't think about socks. Mm-hmm. You also need a good pair of running socks so that you don't get blisters and things like that. Um, and it depends. There's different types. If you like a cushion one, so it's a little thicker. Or if you like to run with thinner socks, there's thin versions of it. So yes, shoes, socks. And for those who like to run with music, then you you know need your some type of music here, whether it's your phone or pods or yeah well how about how are running socks different from like your average sock is there are there certain like paddings in certain areas or yes there's cushion more on the is it the arch mm-hmm. yes and the arch at the um okay. underneath the toe area but it also cushions it um around the middle middle part of your feet so that you don't get blisters mm. so it's really made because if you just use regular socks anything that goes like this can cause a blister so to me to be tightly wrapped around your foot right so it's comfortable and we, yes prevents those types anything of that causes friction right yes yes okay wow so here's a, a really definitely an essential part of of doing these triathlons and marathons let's talk about now recovery so We've talked about preparation. We've talked about the experience. We've talked about what you need in terms of gear. Now, what happens post? So, so. What, what has happened to you both? Or what are some things, lessons that you've learned along the way that you can share with our community? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I wish I had a masseuse with me. <laughs> uh, after every, uh, every long run or every long ride, uh, but... We don't. We don't have access to someone that's going to give with the sockets. Nor, nor do I want to uh, stress my wife on here. So, a, a key recovery uh, piece of equipment that we have around the house is uh, a foam roller, um, definitely along with a, a rolling stick. And what that's intended to do is to uh, kind of loosen up um, the leg muscles uh, that you've been punishing for hours on end. Um, and that, that certainly helps with the recovery and it reduces the soreness tremendously. Um, and, and we're able to kind of bounce back within a day or two, uh, and continue that training. Um, what, and I, I didn't start doing that until I started, uh, some of the longer distance triathlon training. Even when I was doing marathon training, I didn't really, I didn't know anything about it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's truly, uh, something that. Uh, that that's required at this point if you want to kind of stay sane and, and to keep trading. Yes, I would agree. So in the initial parts of, you know, my halves, you know, in the late 20s, I didn't know about the sticks or the foam rollers. 
So I would be in pain for <laughs> days, sometimes up to like a week after running a 13.1, um, because it's just, you know, a lot of uh, trauma to, to the body. And yeah, maybe you stretch afterwards. You can do a little, you know, stretching before and after, but the foam roller and the stick have really helped so that you can continue going after not only your long runs, but even in between while you're training, doing short runs and um Yes, so the, the the stick and the roller have made a huge difference because if you don't, you know, you'll still recover. It just takes a little bit longer. <laughs> and um, do you have any changes in your diet after, or do you, is it kind of back to normal? Like, or do you add like additional electrolytes, or or do any replenishing in the recovery stage? Um, I, I would say protein is important mm-hmm. again, just for that for for helping to rebuild the muscle. Mm-hmm. And again, you can do that in the form of just building protein shakes or just making sure you have a good intake of that, especially the day off. And then back to your normal after that. All right. Now, what about injuries? What are some ways that our community can learn to prevent injuries from happening? What are some of your techniques and strategies? So for me, it's that IT band syndrome that we talked about a little bit earlier and really preventing it. Actually, what I'm told um, by, you know, people in the medical orthopedic field is that it really depends on your shoes. Okay. So that if you suffer from this knee pain while you're running, that you may want to either make sure your shoes are still good. They're supposed to last, you know, somewhere between five and eight to hundred miles and if you're above that then the shoes are no longer going to be as supportive and then you can get these types of injuries so this is a common injury for runners and for me again as I experienced it what got me through it because I did experience it during one of my half um, marathon trainings oh, for Philly in 2016 I actually saw a physical therapist and um, had some PT to get that part of my leg and my knee strengthened. They, they would roll it. We do a lot of strengthening exercises um, because it can stop you from really doing the distance that you want to do. But for me at the time, I was like, well, you know, give me whatever needs to happen because I'm finishing this 13.1. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, so PT for some for some injuries. Where's the IT bad, Sheena? So it's um it's um it's connecting from your hip all the way down to your knee, mm-hmm. and so when certain parts of your knee are moving, it it causes like this rub, and it doesn't happen to everybody. It really just depends on, you know. I think some of the other things too are when you're running in the same direction, and you know the roads are not straight, right? So if you're running like lopsided and you're always running where one leg is a little higher than the other, that can cause it to happen. So you're kind of told, well, run in the other direction so that you're balancing it out. So, yes, it is um, like a ligament, toning that connects to the knee. And it's really painful for those who, who get it because it can stop you from running and or walking, but you can kind of push through it. Yeah, I know because I've heard that um, some people avoid running because it's hard on the knees. Like, for example, for me, I was jogging for a while, but then I started to feel pain in my knee. And I'm not mm-hmm. sure, like, when you're feeling that, are you supposed to push through it? Do you, are you supposed to reposition? Or is there something that you need to change in your gear? I don't know if, if you've all, like, if you've both encountered that and if so, like, how you've overcome that. 
Um, but um, yeah, you're nodding like maybe you have. Yes. So when when it started to happen to me during training, that's when I saw an orthopedic surgeon uh -huh. to say, "Oh, it's okay. I think X-rays might have been done to make sure there was nothing, you know, fractured." Because you can get these stress fractures um, in your feet, your knees, um, from all of this like constant pressure. And there's also those um, train. That's also a train of thought. Have you heard people that also train or run barefoot? So I've, I've started to see that trend. Yeah, or, this, um, or I, I'm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm. I'm not too familiar with that. <laughs> um, I. You know, I, I've, I've seen folks in marathons do that every now and then. Um, but I, I'd, I'd be more worried about, you know, s stepping on a pedal and yeah, you know, getting totally. infections. So, <laughs> yeah. Or having <laughs> shoes that are more designed so that it fits more of your natural foot. I've also right. heard seen that. What do you normally train on? Do you both like train on tracks? Do you train on, because I'm sure also that does that play a role too? Like, do you train on, do you like to run on sand? Like, what kind of... I wish there was sand. <laughs> <laughs> Running on sand is hard. Yes, yeah, hard. Um, Some people train on trails. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yes. Uh, I, I personally like to run on the street. Okay. Uh, that's where my races are going to be. Yeah. Right? So you want to kind of mimic that environment as best as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, if I had access to a track, I would prefer doing kind of my my short runs on that just to kind of get the cardio in. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, to kind of tie it back to injury, um, you can actually get injured if you're, you know, if you're training for six months for these long distance Ironman man races, you're likely going to um, get hurt. And then that's largely from just overuse. Like I've had knee injuries where, you know, all of a sudden midway through my run thing would just start hurting um and that's when it's okay to just back off and then look right so you know uh you know gina mentioned earlier about kind of the schedule for being able to follow um don't beat yourself up if you miss a day or two it's okay like if you have to stop for a week it's okay you'll be fine <laughs> a lot of people start to think they have to push through the pain but if for example you're starting to feel like you're meager to just give yourself a day or two you just recover use ice, like get the swelling down, um, and just do it again when they're ready. And then Jeannie, you also run on the street as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. So typically, yes, on the street, how we would do it so that we're kind of close to home and um, is by doing loops. Mm -hmm. So you can map out something where you live and do like a three mile loop. So that if you have to do nine and you do that three times, or if you're doing, you know, you can make a four mile loop from where your young house is and uh, you could drive it. Or sometimes now with our, all our gear and, oh, watch, you flip on the watch. Um, and sometimes that will tell us, oh, you just ran one mile. So then you keep in your mind, okay, well, this distance to that distance. Um, and it allows you to kind of stay close to, to home should you need to, you know, come home or, when we train, I'd put a little table and have my hydration out there yeah. <laughs> so that I could kind of come by and every couple of miles just like have that there. If I didn't have it and have drinks and stuff on my belt. Plus, you know, you're close to a bathroom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> bathroom, I was going right. to say. <laughs> and uh, you've mainly um, run on uh, flat ground. Um, do you do inclines or? Well, so actually we live in a very hilly neighborhood. Uh -huh. 
So yes, it's good to train, you know, sometimes the, ra the races will actually tell you what the elevation is. Right. You can see maps on if there's going to be some hills or if there's a really big one at mile nine that you can prepare for it. Uh -huh. um, so when you train on hills, it makes it easier if the race is actually flat. Right. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> totally. Yeah. All right. Let's actually uh, veer into the importance of physical wellness and its place within our Philippine X community. So how do you personally see participating in triathlons or marathons as an important part of not only your own personal wellness journey, but a physical activity that folks in our Philippinex or Filipino community can adopt? So we'll start with that question. Um, so, you know, really there's so many benefits to physical activity, to running, to cycling, to any of these endurance um, sports. You actually can decrease your risk of, you know, heart disease, decrease your risk of um, high blood pressure. So if you have high blood pressure, sometimes by getting active, you're actually able to lower your blood pressure and potentially not even need medicines, you know, depending on how you respond. Um, and I know that diabetes runs very um, commonly in our community. So this type of exercise, uh, aerobic exercise really does decrease um, the risk of developing it. And um, interestingly, which when I was doing my research, it actually decreases your risk of different cancers. So if you are active, things like bladder, breast, colon, esophageal, kidney, lung, and stomach cancers are lessened because of uh, aerobic exercise. And this is really interesting because for us, if this is how we would um, find that it's helpful, but it actually improves your memory and your cognition, so all the thinking, you're like sharper when we do all this, reduces your risk of dementia, including Alzheimer's. Um, and on a daily basis, this actually improves your quality of life. You have better mood, better energy, um, decreased anxiety and depression. Um, for those when you do these training, you actually sleep better. So you sleep really well those nights. Um, and then you're also able to, you know, either have weight loss or stabilize or reduce your weight gain. Um, and because of the impact of the running and the training, you actually also improve your bone health. So all of these are really positive um, benefits to doing some type of strength, uh, aerobic exercise, physical exercise. Again, keeping in mind that you do it within the boundaries of what your body's able to do. And if I could piggyback off of that, I want to add to the benefits of kind of, you know, the, the mental benefits as well, right? So, uh, exercise for, for us, at least for me, is a great way of releasing stress, right? At, at the end of the day, if I go for just a, a quick 30-minute run, it's an opportunity to reflect, right, on, on some of the things that were challenging and, and just kind of clear your head and mm -hmm. Um, where you can just leave everything out there. And it's just a great way of being able to kind of, you know, find that, that, that mental and spiritual balance even and, uh, and, and just being able to kind of use that as an outlet, like right, to, to just leave everything out. I know that um, earlier you were saying that it's, it's also helpful because when you get home, like, Renewals energizes you the laundry or help out the yeah. house. I guess it also helps get your house in order. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I think yes. also one important component that you also mentioned when we were talking about preparation or training um, was your diets, right? And that also in our community, that contributes to a lot of what we're seeing. Maybe um, Dr. Dipoli Dalgo, if you could like, you know, right, the high blood pressure, you know, the diabetes, it's related to stress, it's related to diets. And so having, you know, Radio just mentioned, so having this physical release yes. and this regular routine also combats a lot of what we're seeing in our community. Yes, yes, no, for sure. And, um, you know, I know Jordan and Nelson talked about it at last month's podcast where this was a form of, you know, they would like to work um, and that all of this really helps mentally, right? Like you're able to um, not only be physically better and well, but also mentally. So a lot of that, it all goes together. It just gets tied in, right? When you're stressed, you may take some habits like overeating or having a you know box of ice cream or something where these lead to habits where if you can decrease your stress and you eat a little bit healthier or you eat the amount that you need to to train you know you're burning those calories and all of this is just a big cycle of of wellness of um you know what's the word i'm looking for like once you start it it's this journey of wow it's going to affect everything you know in a positive positive manner right it, it pretty much affects your whole like ecosystem mm -hmm. in a sense yes. yeah yes. Cool. no thank you I, I know we just have listeners you know that are all over the diaspora throughout the world mm -hmm. so uh that's important to really hear about what how um this physical wellness or participating in these cardio exercises can really improve and help them move towards optimal health um, I know also, um, maybe, is it easy to access like the gear that you mentioned, Raniel? Like, I know that there's also people from like different income brackets, right? That, that might be listening. What, do, you know, do they have to feel like they have to get like, spend so much money to, to participate in these things? I knew, it's, yeah. That, that's a very good question. Um, it, it, it is easy to feel intimidated because of the fact that, you know, you'll, you'll see triathletes on television or even on the internet with all of these gear, right? But uh, when, when it comes down to it, um, I, I would say the most expensive thing that you need to bring to the table is a bike, right? So if, if you can get to the point where you have access to a bicycle, you're, you're pretty much all the way there. Um, you don't necessarily have to swim with swim goggles. You don't need a wetsuit, right? I mean, all, all of that stuff, for example, you don't even need to buy a wetsuit. There are companies out there that you can rent one for the day, right? So there, there are certain certainly options if uh, you know you wanted to to try the sport without having to invest, you know, a, a lot of a lot of income right, into starting. And then for folks that don't have like pools in their in their yards, I mean, um, do you not, do you also use the like, community pools or? Oh, certainly. Absolutely. That's that's like I said earlier. If if there is a community pool that you have access to, um, and you know, as long as it's long enough, you know, at least twenty five meters, right, is is kind of the basic uh, distance that that you can use and, and swim back and forth as long as you need, and that that's enough for you to kind of get started. Awesome. 
I'm curious to know what are your personal and professional goals when it comes to triathlons and marathons, if if you have any. Like, where would you two like to take it next? Maybe, Raniel, do you want to come and do uh, triathlons on the West Coast, where you're from, or another <laughs> city in the U.S. globally? Getting getting your twins involved. What are where do you both want to take this next? Uh, so, so for me, um, you know, the cool thing about any race, whether it's a marathon or a triathlon, is you, you can turn it into a family event. Um, in, in other words, uh, it, 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 it's an opportunity to see different cities, to see different countries, um, and a great way of spending time together as a family. Um, so, so my goal would ultimately, uh, when, when our daughters are old enough to do a lot more traveling, is to kind of uh, you know, give ourselves an opportunity to see the world and to see different parts of that country um, through, through, through races, right, and being able to support each other. So um, my goal would be eventually to do the New York City Marathon. And so this one for most of us is a lottery. And so I've actually tried two years in a row now and did not get it. <laughs> and, you know, my reason for doing it is I'm from New York, from New Jersey. And Branwell did the New York City Marathon in 2018. And we actually had family in almost all the boroughs. So our family in Brooklyn came out with their signs. Um, we met him in Manhattan. Um, I don't know if it was in Queens, but yes. So my goal is to eventually, at some point, do the New York City Marathon, even if it's like five years from now, ten years from now. Um, and yes, but my real goal in the future, as Rayla was alluding to earlier, is to do half marathons because it's a much trainable distance. You know, to not spend that many months, but you know, two months or so, three months, train for half and travel the world. So. I had a little bug after the um, full marathon and I was looking at, you know, oh, maybe we can go to this country and, you know, try a half marathon or something like that. But yes, it's to make it so that it's an experience um, and something also to look forward to so we can learn the culture and um, yeah, kind of do two things at once <laughs> while we're there. Do your kids have any interest in like running or swimming or cycling now that you both do it or are they totally like oh. just... You're a cheerleader, so <laughs> uh, they, they've they've ran one. We've done one, one or two five k's together. Uh, yes. I think it's a struggle for them at this point. <laughs> um, they they love to cheer. Yeah. yeah, they 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 love to be involved with you know making signs for mommy when she's doing her race. Um, but uh, you know we, we we try to get them in into these uh, these activities as well, which is biking around. Yeah, it's a adventure. And swimming, that's a that's a life skill, you know. As much as I don't even know it, it's a good skill to learn. Totally. I always tell my runner friends that I like to cheer too. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, within the world of triathletes and marathon runners, are there other athletes out there that inspire you both? So, if so, who are they, and where are they located, and why? Um. So I I don't. Uh, follow the the the, um, the professional athlete um, circles with triathlon. I, I did get inspired by, uh, believe it or not, Gordon Ramsay. So I don't know if you knew this, the or chef? Not, but he, yeah, the chef, chef Gordon Ramsay, yeah. uh, competed in the full Ironman distance years oh, ago. Yeah, so in the World Championship in Tonga. 
Uh, so he documented that. It was a great, uh, great, great documentary to watch him do that. Um, but uh, you know, he, he was certainly one of my greater motivations in, in trying to do this. But he's, he's probably ten times busier than me. And if he could pull it off, right? I, I can certainly give it a shot. Um, so for me, I don't have any like professional athletes either. I would say it really is family, friends, and um, colleagues. You know, the one of the interesting things that had piqued my interest is one of my titas had run the New York City Marathon. And when we had gone to her house, we saw her picture up there with the time. And it's, you know, at the end of these things, they take your picture so you can always buy the photos um, afterwards. And so I was like, wow, she did this when she had, you know, two kids. Um, and that to me was inspiring. I was like, wow, my tita ran this full marathon. Multiple times. Multiple times. She did New York City. I don't even know how many wow. times. And, you know, Raniel, when he was doing all his runs, and there I was cheering on for many years, um, really that kind of slowly inspired me. Um, but really, it's really the like real people who we know. I've, we've got friends in New Jersey who one of them has just recently done um, Boston, London. And, you know, for depending on what your reason for doing the races are, you know, she actually raised money um, for cancer. So she did a fundraiser for Dana Farber. And um, there's so many benefits that if you want to take this further or you have a cause that you're really passionate about, that you can actually contribute to that. Um, and that's what inspires me. It's people like us who are parents, who are, you know, friends and family. We're like, wow, you do this and it can be done. We're, we're normal people who are, you know, working and have kids. And um, just that find this as something that motivates us. And what about um, motivation? Like, okay, you just actually ended with that. So, uh, so, I mean, there must be days where you're like, I don't feel like running today or biking today. So for our community, even like to just get them started, right? And in like training and like running or cycling or, you know, swimming in, in your case, Raniel, or, you know, what, what do you use for um, motivation when it comes to? So yeah. I'll, I'll take a stab at that. So I, 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 I look at the beginning of my journey my initial motivation at the very beginning was to just complete it, just just to say that I did it, right? Because if 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 you look at it for the first time and you kind of have to put all three sports together, and for example, I was intimidated by the, by the swim. Um, my motivation at the time was just to figure it out, to figure out how to get past the barriers and to to understand that okay, if I could swim one lap from from one end to another. And, and I can swim from, from there to back and I'm not fully winded. Wow, what if I just keep going and just, just kind of figure out and, and, and solve these things? Um, so initially that was my motivation. Um, after so many years of doing it, um, my motivation now is how do I get better, right? How, how can I go a little bit faster uh, on my next bike ride? Or how, how can I adjust the way I pull in my, my swim technique? To kind of gain gain a little bit more momentum, so there's always kind of room for improvement. Um, sometimes that's not enough to get up at five o'clock in the morning, and I will say I am kind of a normal guy, and I'll sleep in and I'll miss a training session. But again, it's okay. okay. <laughs> you can you can do that. 
Um, but that for, for me, it, it's kind of finding ways to kind of do better across the different, uh, different sports. Yes. So I would say that um, motivation now would be, you know, to push yourself to do something that you don't think you could have ever done and to grow from that experience, right? And um, to me also, this is a, a an interesting one. It's to show the girls that if I put my mind to something, that you can actually accomplish it. And it doesn't matter how far off it may seem, <laughs> whether it's a race or, you know, a 5K. And it just shows an example of, to anybody, right? That you're like, wow, you started off doing 5Ks. And um, so now the motivation is to, you know, grow as a person, as an individual, and to be the healthiest that we can be um, in order to, you know, just live life to the fullest. Nice. Now, are, do you ever train with communities or socially? Like, do you also join runner circles or training groups or do you ever join gyms also for external motivation or do you both prefer to just trade solo? Um, so I, I was lucky enough to find these, these folks here. This is a D DC triathlon club. Uh, as I stated earlier in your podcast, the triathlon community um, is a very welcoming community. And I've met a number of other local fathers as well, right? And family, family men and women uh, that that you can train with, uh, kind of right, you know, cycle with, run with, um, and and that's the cool thing about you know these endurance sports. So here's always opportunities to meet folks, right? And because because they all have similar goals, and we're, we're all struggling through the same, you know, uh, uh, you know, go, going through the same struggles and overcoming them. So yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of communities for me personally. Um, having access to my local club helped inspire me and, and continue to keep doing it so in my case i actually tend to train by myself um i think randall maybe have, has come as we said maybe with like one run but sometimes it grows but for me it's really a, a time like these these moments to be in my own head and to um experience nature so when I do my short runs, I actually don't use music. So I kind of just look around and I'm being present with everything. Um, and when I do my long runs, that's when I have all my, you know, R&B, hip hop, pop music playing for the three hours I'm running. Um, so in that case, but however, if you are interested in doing this with the community, you know, as I said, there's some like local running stores where you get your gear and they have these run groups, they, they meet up. Um, they do like every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. or something like that. Um, the gyms also have it. I know um, some of the gyms will also set a time where you can meet up and um, run. And yes, these same groups are those that organize races. So for example, in our um, county, we have a, a county running club. So they organize a bunch of these 5Ks, 10K races throughout the year. So they're the same people that you would see while you train, but they're also the ones who um, host the events. So it can be a, a really uh, a community. Um, another thing that I'm a part of, but it's not in person, is actually like a Facebook running group. 
So when people run their marathons or their you know, 5Ks or half marathons, they'll post about their experience and, you know, it kind of motivates you to say, oh, wow, somebody did it and that's how they did it. So you can learn from their experience, you know. Um, so yes, there are ways to make it a community. And I guess personally, I, I just like to do it by myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people like to exercise solo. Some people like to, you know, exercise with other people. So yeah, yes. no, totally. Both are okay. <laughs> Before we close, we always like to ask our guests if you have other wellness practices that you'd like to share. I saw, I saw in your bios that you uh, submitted that both of you like to do yoga. So what type of yoga do you both do? And then, Ranul, you also mentioned in your bio that you do mountain biking and weightlifting. So um, what do you do, <clears throat> do for self-care that I might not have mentioned that others might find inspirational? Okay, so um, for yoga, um, I do vinyasa um, yoga, which Ranul also does. Actually, interestingly, during my marathon training, I didn't have time to do that as much. So we did um, a lot of yin yoga. So yin yoga is where you do a lot of stretching and you're in the pose for a while. So that helped actually with recovery. So, you know, I, I'd run on Saturday and maybe do a yin yoga with these apps that we have, you know, sometimes uh, we're streaming. Um, yeah, on a Sunday night. So you, you can set your, your apps to do 30 minutes, 45 minutes and just kind of wind down and stretch that way. But yes, no, I love yoga. Um, that also, similar to how I was explaining with the running, allows me to be present and kind of, you know, be, yes, definitely my, my form of wellness. Um, the other things I would say that are very important to, to me, at least, are um, going to church <laughs> spiritually. Like that for me is, you know, for us as a family, we go every Sunday. Very A big part of our community is our, our church. And I like to treat myself to massages every couple months. I will say, okay, you know, um, it's, it's been a stressful couple months. Let's, uh, you know, get a massage or my sister would get me a gift certificate and I'd use that. So those are definitely my forms of wellness. Yeah. So I, I, I will double down on yoga. I love yoga. I mean, that, that's something I'm going to be doing for, for the rest of my life. I think it, again, it's a great way of, just meditation, another form of stress release, and it, it, it allows the body to really recover, um, especially when you're doing a lot of endurance. Um, mountain biking is is definitely um, one of the more extreme yet exciting uh, uh, things that I've been doing lately. Um, I, I look at that as, um, you know, if, if for any of your audience that has ever done any kind of skiing um, or any kind of, uh, you know, similar activities, um, mountain biking gives you that, um, that thrill. Adrenaline yeah. It's got a lot of adrenaline, but you have to climb up the mountain to get there. Right. So, so you actually get a really, really good workout out of doing that. And plus you're in, you're, you're in nature. Um, most of the time you're, you're kind of out and here we're in the forest or so we're out in the woods. Um, and then when it comes to weight training, you know, again, that that's kind of cross training. Um, you know, I, I'm in my mid, mid forties now. So, so strength training is very important as we're getting older. So I kind of mix that in, uh, throughout the endurance training, just to kind of keep the bones and muscles like, you know, in, in, in good shape. Do you also weight train, Gina? No, not per se, but there are some exercises where, you know, I'll pick up a few weights and, uh, do some push-ups because I do need to build my upper body 
for the yoga stuff too. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Planks also help for that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> As we begin to close, how can our community find you if they have additional questions? So for me, you can find me on my website, um, the pool, D-A-P-U-L, allergy.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. And when I do have a um, those Instagram and YouTube, I will let you know. <laughs> uh, similarly, on my end, I'm on Facebook, Rania the Belgo, also on LinkedIn. And for any of the athletes that are watching, if you're familiar with the Strava app, I'm also uh, on there as well. If you want to find and connect with me and I'm happy to share stats and talk about uh, all of the things that uh, we discussed today. Yay. Thank you, Gina and Ranuel, for talking to our community about triathlons and marathons. We're so honored to have featured you both on our podcast for our community to learn more about these two worlds. I know I personally learn more from each episode and then also especially from you two. We're excited to witness how your journeys continue to unfold and are here to support you as your Philippine ex and wellness family. And Dr. Depol Hidalgo, we can't wait to personally invite you back next year to talk to our community about allergies, asthma, and immunology. I know I personally am like, can you please help me with mine? <laughs> Happy to help. <laughs> Best wishes to your on your private clinic that you're opening up. Um, there's so much to unpack in these areas that I'm excited to also explore. And to our community, look out for our next episode. In August, we will be talking about the third topic in our physical wellness trilogy, House Dancing and Health, with international instructor and famous house dancer Jardi Santiago. The episode will air during our Wellness Wednesdays on August 16. As we close... We'd like to acknowledge once again our guest speakers, Dr. Gina Dapul Hidalgo and her husband, Raniel Hidalgo, our social media strategist, Kathleen Torrio, our graphic designer and beat maker for our opening and closing track, Richie, Drew Kidd, reigning from, the Silver, from Silver Spring, Maryland, for consent to use your track wherever you are, featuring Deborah Bond, that you heard a piece of during our break, our advisors, Allison De La Cruz, Rian De Los Reyes, and Safo Teologo. Our community partners is Filipino American Life, SoCal Filipinos, and Trek Table. And all of our community members for your shares and support. As always, we'll share more about our guest speakers' offerings on our Instagram stories and highlights for permanent access with any of their upcoming events. Be sure to follow us at Philippine X and Wellness on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and on Twitter at PhilippineX, the letter N, well, followed by the letters N and S. Don't forget to continue to hit the subscribe button on our Philippine X and Wellness YouTube channel. Thank you always for believing in us. In us. Be well, everyone. Continue to take care of yourselves and each other. Durugid na nga salamat. Salamat.